This is Lee Majors. Last week on Ned Trek, a young actor with my name gave an unforgettable performance, playing one of the most prominent men in history. President, Governor, Man of War, Sepnot Jellyfish, Bon Vivant, Sepnot French, Man of Steel, and Ultimate Stud Muffin. He had it all, and I pretended to be him. And that lent him even more gravitas, which sounds like a fancy martini drink, but it isn't. Anyway. This week's episode of Ned Trek is as far out as the stars and twice as twinkly. It features some astro kids from right back here on Earth. They're half crazed now, and their fathers are dead. Boy, howdy, I'm probably not going to tune in until the last five minutes, but I can't believe what I'll be missing. Stay tuned! Space the ultimate marketplace. These are the voyages of the Starship Free Enterprise. Its mission of undetermined length, um, until we're canceled, I guess, to seek out strange new commodities, exploitable alien workforces, to brazenly amass the largest profits that any corporation has before. Log Stardate 1842.2. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I think it's meant to read 1842 also. Either way, I guess that someone must have been pretty hungry if he's eating for two. <laughs> but just as long as he won in the end. Can't argue with a success. And just for the record, I don't eat dates or logs. Not unless we're talking about log cake. And those are just for Christmas time, when we're taking in the fat tones of our tabernacle choir. <laughs> Well, I think that's about it for this log entree. Don't you think so, Helmsman? Um, I sir. So the big brass at Starfleet's command wants us to head out for the Moni Geyser system. Seems there's a planet-wide catastrophe underway over there. <laughs> and you can't spell catastrophe without the two T's in opportunity. I think we may just need to attach a spigot to the disaster, and when we're done, dinner is served. Just don't let them know that we have a full cargo of Miserian half-moon cookies on board. I understand that there are people starving down there on Geyser. Ah, uh, say, of course not. You know, instead of providing handouts, it's always better and cheaper to provide a few factory reject fishing rods and an instructional hologram on how to fish, hosted by a man that looks a lot like Jesus. It's Jesus Jim, the spokescracker for holier-than-now outfitters. And I think that's one of Bain Galactic's own family of companies. Jesus Jim founded it when he was wandering in the wilderness. He also founded a clam bar. Well, fishing lessons are more than the inhabitants of Geyser should expect. After all, they were clearly told in redacted print that any large-scale disasters caused by Confederate corporations and their haphazard storage of volatile antimatter waste is their problem. Indeed, they should be grateful that we chose to exploit them in the first place. Instead of complaining and dying... <laughs> They should be melting down the radioactive ruins of their homes to make radioactive statue of Jock Boot, the CEO of Putrid Corpse, which is a Halliburton subsidiary, by the way. <laughs> and 
and that venerable company can't get sued. In fact, all disputes are mandated to go to an impartial arbitrator, one chose by Putrid Corpse itself. <laughs> See, sometimes government mandates are good. Captain Romney, we're receiving yet another distress call. This one from the Dunnigan system. It seems that there's a Confederate outpost on the fifth planet in that system. Only three officers are posted there, along with their obnoxious little brats. Now, I'm known as a family man myself, but I get no joy out of those 23rd century mollified little shits. Oh, they make fun of me. All because my system is set to sweat profusely when I'm in the studio, under hot lights, and because I squeak when I walk. But that's only because it's the Moronian roboticist that constructed me installed a habit trail and a family of Paf-goon laughing mice in my ass. It was supposed to simulate the sounds of real digestion, but it just sounds like squeaky farts. Why do distressed ships and planets always call for our help? They know what kind of shape we're in, right? Besides, I have to think that there are other space vessels in this sector of the galaxy. Some of them must be from this show, or at least from the same network. Let them deal with whatever contrived plot our dropout writers come up with this week. That's where you're wrong, mister. Although I believe that your people, meaning the Chinese, are at the beginning stages of setting up a space program of their own. Sometime in the near future, our people, the Nixoids, we'll call them, will be launching a new television network, one that will feature some good and wholesome family crap. It'll be conservative as hell. Our space show will go where no man has gone before, and on Earth they'll be covering my ass at the same time. What are you going on about, Nixon? You'd think that if somebody was gonna make a robot that mimics a president, they choose one that wasn't such a shady criminal. Somebody like Andrew Johnson. <laughs> Old hickory nuts. <laughs> I'm not a robot, damn it. I'm a robotoid. To answer your question, Sulu, they call us because we're the only ones in the fleet that get up this early. And that's only because Pearl doesn't know how to set an astro chronometer. But the directions say to set it to palatian meantime. I can't do that. I only like happy time. <laughs> Captain Willard, you have to make a decision about which distress call we're going to respond to. Do we go to the Dunnigan system or to Monet Geyser? And for those who are navigationally challenged, meaning everybody, they're in opposite directions. Well, my people at Bain have informed me that the ensuing catastrophe on Monet Geyser will only get worse. They advise me to let things soften up a bit more before we arrive. <laughs> and then we'll be able to use our money straws. Head to Dunnigan, Mr. Sulu. Ahead, Warp Factor 8. Though I know this is no time for eating. <laughs> and turn on this ship's emergency lights. In fact, we should all turn on the police chairs on top of our crash helmets, too. And then in case we get separated from the ship, everyone will still know about the emergency. Helmets? What is he talking about, Ned? It's some promotional product placement deal with Space Hasbro Company. They're trying to whittle away at the monumental stack of stupid monogram plastic helmets that they fabricated and then got stuck with. They're trying to play on this show's popularity with cloistered glue sniffers. Have you ever heard of anything so pathetic? Here, try one on, Willard. <laughs> Now, does it do anything for you? <laughs> well, it makes me Superman, for one thing. 
Just drive the thing to Dunnigan, Sulu. I Ned. Whatever. Captain, we've assumed orbit around planet Dunnigan 2. Uh, doesn't seem like a lot is going on here. And no one seems to have noticed we're here. They're probably stunned by their turn of good fortune. Dixon, is anyone trying to hail us? It's all hail to the chief. I hear it too. You're the most illusionary machine we've had on the bridge since they carted away Dr. Teller's transistorized child prodigy. The Jackboot 5, or whatever it was called. <laughs> the Jackson 5, all singing Mormons. They were an old Hickory tribute band, or so I understand. Originally, I think there were at least ten of them, but half had to be cast out due to significant problems with their hue. Who's Hugh? No, 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 Captain. The Jackson 5 was a multi-stage rocket put together by a most trusted Nazi taskmaster. We took him on because he knew how to utilize volunteer labor. He was good at just following orders. Our space service used his rockets to launch bald men into hair. I mean, brave men into the air. Jack Kennedy made them name the thing after himself so no one would ever forget his pretentious choose to go to the moon speech, an associated boondoggle initiative. Ugh. To me, that program was like a time bomb. Kennedy set it on a delayed fuse so that it would go off during my administration and make me look bad. It was like those televised debates all over again. Right before they started, Kennedy had one of his mobster concubines throw my electric razor out a 17th story window, and then he got another mob witch to upchuck calamari on my best dark suit. My people had to scramble to find another one that fit. Fortunately, the good humor man wears the same size as me, and our dispositions are a close match. My men, the proto-plumbers, if you will, left him in an alley. They made it look like a robbery. Does this Nixon robot thing have a power pack that I can pull out? Jesus! If I understand this workstation correctly, when there's a yellow light blinking on and off, and it's accompanied by a boop-beep sound, then there's a message coming in. That's the distress call, fool! That's why we came here in the first place! Well, I wasn't hearing it. This is the first time. <laughs> oh, Mr. Pearl, you're feeling a little left out today. Why don't you play the message on the little jumbo screen? And then we can all enjoy watching some nobody actors scream for a supper. Yes, sir. Switching. Hopefully this message is reaching a confederate ship. I still like them, though I'm not sure why. There's something terribly wrong on this outpost, and I'm not referring to the lack of even the most basic assemblage of futuristic props. Nobody tried. No one. I'm also not referring to the inexplicable behavior of my own snotty-nosed son and the children of my other two colleagues here. It's like we don't know them anymore. Worse still, my thoughts are being invaded by a malevolence unmatched by even the most reprehensible lizard brain element in our party. I thought at first that Dr. Raphael Cruz was just talking in his sleep, but then I realized it was coming from within my own mind. 
wasn't until I found myself ordering a double helping of a possum ice cream that I realized my mind was being controlled. Please get down here. Save our boys. Save us from ourselves. Free me from the enemy. The enemy on my head. My God, there's a CNN enemy on his head. Do I have that right? Are those like some kind of jellyfish, right? Is that enemy, idiot? Willard, I'd poke you with a stick, but I can't hold one in my hooves. It's time to select a land and party again. You've got to send some shirts down there to that outpost. They'll need to pack up a few of those props that are still usable, bury the dead, and usher those little Republican wiener kids back up to the ship. Christ, that's just what we need. Reactionary Mouseketeers! <laughs> oh yes, embryonic conservatives, right-wing toddler men, still in the process of forming. That's exactly what I need, carefully arranged behind me while I give a campaign speech, and then the sky's the limit! Yep, makes perfect sense to have the audience looking at your ass while you talk. Ned, you, the Doc, and Pearl get down to the planet right away. Bring a few Mr. Stephanies with you in case there are some exploding flowers or flying poison pizzas down there. And please, come back with the children. Yes, bring me the children. I notice the only thing in your head that still works is your ambition. Your dream that someday you're going to rule over some pestilent libertarian hole. Well, that's not going to happen, Willard. There are legitimate cavemen out there who are just as ambitious, and they don't need to repaint their neck red every two weeks. Just give it up. <laughs> a young mind can be a reprehensible one. <laughs> Get them voting now and it sets up a pattern for a lifetime. It all follows that if they vote for me when they're 12 and do the same every four years, in a week they'll all be millionaires. They're already millionaires, idiot. Yes, so it's working. Come on, Pearl. Let's collect Doc Cracker and get down to the planet before the new millennium dawns. But Ned, my ass is extremely delicate today. I think I may have a boil on it. That's your hideous head, fool. Now get to the transporter room or I'll boil the rest of you all right. Ah, say, just look at this sweet chunk of paradise. The rolling meadows appear to be freshly planted with backy. And I smell the unmistakable perfume of azalea blossoms mixed with a honeyed tang of lilac. The visage of a distant manor house smiles upon my eyes and conjures up the toothless grin of my own Miss Fanny. Hey, <laughs> I say, my Fanny. You're Fanny, my ass. I think we may want to reinstate some OSHA laws, at least in sick bay. I think the formaldehyde and the plastic props are outgassing this guy into happy land. There's nothing on this planet except but a few styrofoam rocks and the usual cave entrance. Oh yes, and the bodies of three of our Confederate officers, all apparently out of their misery and done with their humiliating roles in this stupid episode. But all very nicely arranged. I mean, the rocks are spread out very evenly within the planned camera shot, and bodies have been laid out in a dignified way. You don't see one with its legs all crumpled up in an uncomfortable manner, or one with its mouth open in the dirt. 
If someone I liked were to die on the show, I would hope it would be like this. You might just get your wish, except it'll be you. Now go and take some tricorder readings over there. Start finding out whatever it is you're supposed to find out, so we can be done with this scene and go home. But I didn't bring a tricorder prop. I didn't even know that I was supposed to. Well, I'm positive that Doc Bonehead didn't bring one either. I say, that's where you're mistaken, Mustang, mister. I thought about it, and then I asked myself, what would Jesus bring down to a planetoid? And my answer came as quick as any signifying revelation could be expected to come. Like that which allowed Brother Eli Whitney to develop some kind of drinking gin. And as quick as a hanging, heavenly inspiration landed upon my brow. Airmail from the Lord! You don't have any instruments either, do you? For Christ's sake! That's not so. I've got a banjo in reserve. And this here bull fiddle made out of monkey hides. Well then go and take some readings with a banjo then, mister. And you, Pearl, go round up the little conservative wiener kids. I'm positive you'll find them in the cave. Get them out here so they can help us to bury their fathers. I guess they'd be able to manage that. Then we're getting out of here. But what they kind of become or task emotionally scar them for life they, they might even turn liberal after treatment like that I know that I could never do such a thing that is unless I stood to benefit from it somehow there are conservatives Pearl raking up piles of bodies comes with a territory doesn't it yes but we don't ever have to deal with the bodies directly we usually only see them when analyzing mission reconnaissance footage dead bodies serve as testimonials for weapon systems the more the better you know buyers really eat that stuff up not literally, of course. <laughs> now that would be sick. You see, we're governed by a code of morals. We know when to look away. I say, our morals were forged by an awesome god who bequeathed them to us when he was in foul bequeathing mood. He got up on the wrong side of his god-sized bed that day, just like the day he tested the faith of Abraham by nearly making him sacrifice the field from his own loins. You know, I'm not even a Christian. But my Christian sensibilities are offended by just about everything you say. Oh no! Here come the children from the cave! And we only managed to put their fathers in kind of a heap in the middle of the set. Dr. Paul's head is resting on Dr. Cruz's ass. Oh, I don't even want to say where former President Bush the Elder's hand is right now. You don't think we should drape a sheet over the bodies of their fathers, do you? This group is highly likely to have some white sheets close by, I'd expect. Then again, if they're true conservatives, a pile of enemy bodies might be a nice surprise to chance upon first thing in the morning. We can tell the kids that they're dead extremists from the evil planet Islamabad. Quick, let's use a spirograph on their foreheads. You don't think they're going to recognize their own fathers? No. Weird lines or prosthetic bumps on their heads is a sure way to make someone look like a space alien. And you know how this crowd feels about aliens of any kind. Even the ones that look like they may have been rich fathers. There! That's the last one. It's a shame we don't have enough time to put different colored jumpsuits on them. Oh no! Dad is dead! And I didn't even get his mailing list from him yet. Oh well, now at least I can be unencumbered by his integrity and his loser's stink. Hey, somebody's been drawn on his head. 
Your idea's working great, Pearl. Hey, my dad's dead too. I guess we were expecting that to happen any day now. Now, if only his purportedly moderate legacy would die. Doesn't anyone have a sheet to cover him up? His willingness to compromise is blinding me. I say from the mouths of babes, no less. It's all so charming. Dad, oh dad. You were right about the radical Marxist mucus dragons on Don't Spare a Bomb 5. They were trying to stop the privatization of their planet's atmosphere, and they were just asking for a calling. But sir, you just weren't right enough about too many other things. I can see that now. I'm afraid we're just going to have to leave your carcass out for Dunnigan butt vultures to pick clean. Sentimental little wieners, aren't they? Oh well, let's pack them up and get off this rudimentary set. I'm starting to feel like I'm in one of your unimaginative stick figure dreams, Pearl, where only the consulting fees are real. But this is a dream come true, having a chance to get in on the ground floor with this adolescent group of future Confederate leaders. Well, I can pretty much tell them what's what in the galaxy, where we can make war and where we can make lovely war. From where I'm standing, I can make you a convincing tough head of barf. So shut up, Pearl. Open a communicator for me. We're beaming back up to the ship. Oh, okay. Commander Ned to Free Enterprise. Come in, Free Enterprise. Hi, Mr. Ned. This is Welsh. What can we do for you? I'd like a large order and get me out of here. Six to beam up. Aye, sir. We're turning the crank. <laughs> so these are the little men you were talking about. <laughs> they all lost their dads. Is that right? Well, I was a Mormon scoutmaster at one time, and let me tell you, we really lived up to the name Weeblows. I had a whole outfit and everything. Kept it in the closet next to my policeman uniform and my construction worker getup. <laughs> I think I even had an Indian chief costume in there. Anyhow, I recall earning the credit default swap badge right alongside my son Bragg. Those were some happy times. So, did you kids get to do that kind of thing with your dads? That is, before they kicked the bucket? <laughs> Bet you're all rich now. My daddy was convinced that the Boy Scouts were nothing but a homosexual Trotskyite front group intent on infiltrating Confederate families in the Klan and turning everyone into God-hating vegetarians. I'm afraid to say that he was dangerously wrong about that. <laughs> I should say so. I still have my LGBT intolerance badge that I wear proudly. And there was nothing even remotely gay about those uniforms. Or the neckerchiefs. <laughs> or the name Weeblows. Daddy was wrong, all right. The scouts are way worse than he thought. They don't carry guns, not even semi-automatics. Cowards! I was so ashamed that I'm not anymore. At least your daddy wanted to send all the homos back to Kenya. My dad thought they could be left alone to live their lives the way they wanted to. He was given in, which made him practically one himself. Talk about ashamed. Well, my only regret is that I didn't take my father by his scrawny chicken neck and choke the peas and wheeze the life out of him while I had the chance. I know. Why don't we all have some ice cream? I'll have some, too. Some Blanberry Sherbet and a Ming Dynasty saucer would really hit the spot. What about it, kids? Yay! Hey, ice cream! I say, I'll be pleased to fetch it for y'all. It's my pleasure to serve up some delectables to such unabashed, pure-blood young conservatives. 
Now the food synthesizer spits out a rare kind of a possum cream. You know, the other kind of white meat. How will it be for you, Jubby? What color meat do you want tinkled on your moo cream? I'm trying to read here. It's the crap-faced angel's newsletter. It's very informative. Angel, did you say? <laughs> oh, here we go. What do you know? Angels have newsletters. What an exciting concept. Much more portable than huge golden tablets and probably not quite as apt to be lost. But if you did lose them, then you could just print out thousands more. You know, I really feel like going out and obeying some of our bonus commandments right now. Willard, it's not Maroney putting out that newsletter, you bonehead. It's published by the mythical crab-faced angel, a Dunnigan too. But that's only a legend, Mr. Ned. Like the phony transparent carriers of Planet Postage do. How'd you get in here, Welsh? I thought this was a closed set. Jesus, next thing you know, Pearl will be in here. Hi, everybody. How are the kids? Are they over the tragic loss of their fathers? I should think so. It's been about ten minutes. Oh, that's them over there having ice cream. I think I'll join them. There's probably not enough, Pearl. That is unless we reroute the food synthesizers through the warp engines. Hey! Mr. Ned, the legend of the crab-faced angel is one of the most conservative legends in the galaxy. It's believed that crab-face was so densely conservative that his policies and ideas collapsed in on themselves and were hyper-concentrated into super-reactionary neutron cheese. Ah, say, give me some of that cheese! I've got some severely conservative monkey bread to spread it on to! Solo, what are the physics on this? Imagine having a fascist thought and doubling it each day. In a month, you'd be worse than Hitler. Is it just me? Or does that prospect not sound all that bad? I mean, just think of how easy it would be to win a primary or a caucus. Especially in one of the caveman states. That is, if some of that cheese give you the ability to outright flank any of the competition, it could make me invincible. I mean, make someone invincible. No matter what they did in the past, or even if they're dead. Now give me some of that cheese. Can I ask, if we're all down here, who exactly is driving the freaking ship? Don't tell me it's Mr. Stephanie M. Um, okay, I guess I won't tell you that. We should probably go back up there, though. He might be trying to drive the ship from the sanitation console. It's best if he stays away from the helm. As soon as he sits at that position, we're all doomed. He's liable to falter while flying through the tunnel of swords. You know, the one that the kids are supposed to make you see. I say, that's as far as you go, Pearl. For once, Doc Bonehead is right. If you give away what's happening in the next scene, what's the point of us bothering to do it? I, as arguably the worst actor among us, I have to say, that was badly played, Pearl. <laughs> but I thought if I proved to everyone that Mr. Stephanie was incompetent, then, then we could... Don't try and fix it, Pearl. Let's all just get back to the bridge set. It's marginally more comfortable anyway. The rec room set is just a freaking hall with a hexagonal table in it. Look at it. It's broken and nobody even pretended to use it yet. It's made of freaking cardboard. <laughs> Very well, men. To the bridge.
Axis appeasers would never leave. The very sight of them sickens me. Yeah, just merely being in the presence of beings like them brings me great pain. They're so moderate. I shudder to think that I was once like them. You are not one to talk. You are not pure. You have not tasted of the cheese. You will be excised from the triangle. The crap-faced angel will obliterate you, and then we will play. No, I am pure like you. Some would say purer. But most of the folks that would say that are in their basements right now, fondling their survival kits. So we can't hear them. Anyhow, I have drunk the cheese juice produced from my own invention, called a conserva kettle. Now, that is not the proper way of becoming enlightened. We must put a call to the crap-faced angel and clarify this point of order. That sounds good to me. Let us begin the dance and the monotone sing-along. They're stepping on my shoes. Hey, you know it's hard to dance and stay in a triangle. Quit your yapping and sing the song. Dang-a-ding, dang-a-dong. Hear our childish sing-along. Out in space, on a ship. Crab-faced angels join our trip. Fast we go, shifting red. Help us make our fascist bed. Far too right is never bad. We've even killed our useless dads. Destroying your impotent fathers was a good test of your loyalty. And it showed me that the three of you have partaken of the cheese and have become conservative absolutists. You are indeed worthy of the next task before us. You must use the powers I bestowed upon you, and you must take over the vital areas of this starship. The moderate adults on board will try to stop us, but they must not succeed. We must take complete control, and then the universe will be mine to bone and yours to drool in. Just one question, your crapitude. Why can't you just own the universe now? Why do you need a starship to do it? I mean, since you have all those powers... Those questions and all others will be answered soon. Now go do your duty. Take this ship to Barkas 12. Be sure to count the planets in that system very carefully. We wouldn't want to end up at Barkas 11 by mistake. I could never rule the universe from there. There's constant static electricity in the atmosphere, and it would make my hair stand up. Then no one would take me seriously. Really? I understand. I mean, it's probably hard enough to do it with a crap face. Now go do your duty. Do your duty. Do your duty. Do your duty. But I don't have to go duty now. Ah, shut up, Randy. Captain's log, stardate. 
You know, from here I can't quite read the advanced display in our futuristic retro chronometer. Mr. Stephanie M., could you rip the clock out of that console and bring it over to me? <laughs> Auntie M. <laughs> Mr. Stephanie M. is dead, Willard. Some kind of freak accident. He was left in command up here. And the only thing he could think to do on his own was to get killed off. His brain must have been left on automatic. Well, that explains why he slumped down sideways in his chair with his mouth open. <laughs> I thought he was just listening to the floorboards. You know, sometimes it sounds like there's a duck down there. Anyhow, Captain's Log, some kind of space-time, some kind of space channel. We've taken on board the ship three absolutely delightful young conservative boys. I'm pleased to say that they all believe in the three Gs. And those stand for guns, God, and gimme gimme. I think it goes without saying, but kids like these are the only kinds of refugees we like. There's no question of letting them rot in detention facilities for years. No, not unless they do some serious backsliding. Anyway... Even though their fathers were murdered by a poorly understood malevolent entity on Dunnigan 2, one that gains control of people's minds and turns them into mutinous murderers, I've decided to allow the kids free range of the ship. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Captain, how long would it take us to reach Barkas 12? That is where the Confederation keeps its main subspace communication array, isn't it? And from there we'd be able to hack into Starfleet's supercomputer and thereby rule the galaxy, right? <laughs> you know, I wouldn't know. But why don't we go and find out? Mr. Sulu, plot a course to Barkas 12. Warp factor two and a half. Let's give the kids a ride. Once there, we can scan the heck out of that place and see if there's any security breach in progress. Thanks, little Freddy. <laughs> now, how about some more ice cream? Um, I, sir. Plotting the course to Barkas. Engaging warp drive. You can't let Hitler guilt dictate where the starship goes, imbecile. This isn't their armored stretch limo, you know. <laughs> well, it kind of is. At least for sons of the elite. No one can know that better than yours, truly. There's even a refrigerator behind the back seat over here. It's true. Despite being a research scientist assigned to an obscure deep space outpost, Jebby's father is practically American royalty. Son of a senator, president, and father of a president. Rich as they come. Randy's father was a semi-respectable Confederate congressman as well. Probably also stinking rich. Teddy's father was the inventor of El Loco Blanco, a mock-up of a Byzantine fortress, which served as both a for-profit prison and a gambling casino on the free Cuban colony. So technically, all of those children are qualified to tell us what to do and where to go. No, I'm not buying it. I'm exercising my authority's first officer as the only member of this sorry outfit whose name is included in the show's title to counterman the captain's last order. <laughs> I'm losing command. Okay. Helmsman, I'm giving you a new course, which is the same as our old course. I course from a horse, of course, of course. <laughs> Sulu, where the hell were we supposed to go next before all this nonsense happened? I think that I was on my way to being featured in an episode of The Twilight Zone. A good one this time. Oh, you mean since we picked up the Hitler Youth at Dunnigan. Uh, I believe we were going to answer a distress call from the planet Hypocon. The hypochondriacs thought that they were being bombarded with Geritol waves from their planet's constipated mood. But then we received a distress call from Mount A. Geyser. I think that we were about to respond to that before we settled on responding to the call from Dunnigan. Jesus! 
Where were we headed before the first distress call? I shudder to think, Mr. Ned. Seems like we've been marooned in the third season of the show just lately. That means that we're most certainly bound for something stupid. Maybe even the Cloud Miner one. Well, I'd take anything over this. Even that stupid Empath one. Even though I could never make it through the first scene. Ugh, don't remind me. Okay, here's your new heading. Course 32590.1. Warp 7 engage. Aye, sir. You'll be sorry you did that. You'll see. You'll be sorry. Well, young man, I can tell by your fist pumping that you've begun a regimen of muscle building. Just to let you in on a little secret, the muscle mass you need to concentrate on is the one between your ears. Let your arms fall to shit, who cares? Muscular arms could never get you into the exclusive halls of government, and certainly not into the most coveted chair in that most sought-after office. No, if you want to wield power over something more important than a mechanic's garage, you need to listen to me and exercise that brain of yours. Of course, if you do open up a mechanic shop, please let me know. I've got an issue with my catalytic converter. I'm starting to smell like rotten eggs again, and I haven't even been laying any. I beg to differ, Nixon! Ned, I can't change course. We're passing through a cartoonish tunnel of harmless cutlery. If we alter course, we'll be destroyed. Or at the very least, the effects guy holding the ship model might get a paper cut. Well, young man, we wouldn't want that to happen. <laughs> then we'd have to explain it all to Dad via subspace radio. Maybe we should preemptively send that message to Dad just in case we do scratch the hull. That way you might not get too sore if we really do it. Mr. Pearl, send another message to Starfleet. Tell them to advise Dad on the situation. Um, I'm not at the communications console, sir, but I do appreciate your yielding airtime. I'll send that message right now. I think that kid is trying to flip you off, Pearl. His arm is going up and down like some kind of daft Tomokian spring lever. Ugh. Pardon an old Welsh hand for saying this, but I'm sure you're doing it wrong, lad. You should hold out your middle finger while you pump your hand instead of fast clenching the whole rig, fist and all. Hey, that's funny. I don't remember a mirror being part of my console before. Hey, will you look at that? Oh no, it's a reflection of myself many years from now. With an extremely fat head. <laughs> Then I guess that in some future epoch, your head finally reaches parity with the rest of your swollen hide. I can't possibly send the message now. Not if I look like that. What if the other members of the think tank see me? It runs the risk of harshing their war buzz. And the right frequency buzz takes weeks to attain. They'd probably think that they were just seeing reflection of their own hideous beans. Hideous beans. <laughs> Pearl, send the message now. No, I can't! Ach, can't you see what that is? It's that teddy lad. He's got some kind of special power. He's shaking his fist and incapacitating half the bridge crew. Special power? I thought the only kind of special power he had was the one that makes stupid appear whenever he opens his mouth. Willard has that power too. That particular special ability 
Doesn't seem to be lacking in this crowd. It's true, Ned. It's the children. After you left the rec room, I lingered for a bit in the kitchen, you know, cleaning up the ice cream bowls, packing munitions into baking soda rockets, and then cleaning up again. More likely sending massive payloads to your face over and over again. Okay, okay. So I drank four gallons of space cream. We've got food synthesizers. We can make more, can't we? Anyhow, while I was busy, I happened to overhear the children. They were singing a kind of hypnotic dirge. They have no musical aptitude whatsoever. I guess we're fortunate that this isn't a musical episode of the show. Anyhow, when I peeked from behind the refrigerator, I could see what they were doing. They were doing a little triangular dance and summoning some kind of hideous shit clown. Hey, so they really must have special powers. I mean, besides the making stupid appearance you mentioned. I'll believe it when I see it myself. Okay, you've asked for this. Wow, look at that. He's shaking his fist like nobody's business. Whoa! Hey, that kid's got special horse tipping powers. That wasn't supposed to be legal on this show. Where the hell's that thieving agent of mine? Probably at the poolside, with a drink in each fist. I should point this stupid kid at him for a while. A while back, I told everyone about all the things I plan on doing on day one when I gain office. Oh yeah, that's right. It was a pretty long list. Speaking as your trusted advisor, that is, assuming you successfully pull off this coup, one thing you should add to the top of the list is the issuing of a decree making that first day of yours about 500 hours long. I can't do that. That would be a cowardly consultant's trick. I see you've been considering the source. It turns out that there are some things that I forgot to add to my day one agenda. Knocking over horses is one thing I promised to do right after I shut down every single Planned Parenthood clinic in the galaxy. I could see why, since you'd make a perfect poster child for the merits of abortions. Oh my god, look at that! Little Teddy Cruz just shut down Ned's vocal cords. I'm not sure if this is appropriate, Captain, but can the whole crew pitch in to get him a present for this? Or at least those of us who wide in carriage or thick in head. Well, that is everyone, and double true on you, Blimpo. Captain and Mr. Ned, it seems that the children's weapon has no staying power. Its abracadabra beam has limited range, and its alakazam waves are quick to dissipate. No, no it isn't. I, I just didn't shake my fist at him long enough. If I wanted to say, turn him into an ape man, I'd just go crazy and shake my fist real fast like this. And say, say if I wanted to turn you into Tarzan, I'd shake my fist even wilder like this. And if I wanted Tarzan and ape man to fight, I'd shake my fist sideways like this. If they got into a fight, ape man would win, cause, cause he can do this. I think the crew's just one Coburn's endorsement. You know, crew, maybe we should make course for Barkass 12 and just give the kids a treat after all. <laughs> oh, I give up. They say if you do an arch-conservative kid a favor, good fortune will be visited upon your booty. I think it was a pirate that told me that. <laughs> Nobody ever said that, Willard. But, Captain, if we're doing what the kids want, wouldn't we be behaving in a manner that is antithetical to the plot of the episode? <laughs> I think that could be so, and perhaps Auntie Incredible might just think she's tuned into the wrong channel. Or maybe she'll think that our show's summer replacement is up to bat. Hey, to ease the transition, we might want to turn this into a variety show for the balance of the episode. Good thing we're just gushing talent up here. <laughs> That's for sure. 
This crew has talent coming out of their collective ass. Hey, I like the idea of switching to a variety show. I could do a comedy set to warm up the crowd. It would kill. Doc could play the banjo. Mr. Welsh could play the bagpipes, but not at the same time. Ned and the captain can do the regular shtick. It'd be great. And there'd be little chance of me or anyone, but mostly of me, ending up as floating skeletons in space by the show's end. I wouldn't be so sure of that, Pearl. Just wait till they hear your comedic stylings. It'll be the audience doing the killing. Hi, Teddy. Well, I shook my fist for about an hour in auxiliary control, and I think I finally secured it. It helped that nobody was manning the deck at that time. That's because I had the forethought to start shaking my fist for a while before entering the room. In fact, I pre-cleared the deck, and I did it without the help of anyone. That's okay. We've got the ship. Captain Glumby, turn navigation over to us. Or he's as good as done. All we need to do now is summon the crap-faced angel, and then get ready to put our playpants on. Why do we have to summon the angel? If we're already heading to Farkas 12, won't he know that? I think we should go play right now. I've got my wiffle ball in a plastic novelty constitution. You doubt the crap-faced one! I am beginning to think that you never partook of the cheese! What are you talking about? Of course I did! I had more than you! Or I was gonna! I saw. He put it in his mouth, but he didn't chew it all up. Later he spit it out and, and a, 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 a space hound ate it. You mean there's gonna be some kind of arch-conservative space dog running around here somewhere? Great! Hey, that explains why that dog with a little mustache was looking at that map of Poland on the scanner. Gosh, I thought he just wanted to learn the accordion. Come on, kids. Let's call the crap-faced angel. We need to start holding hands and beginning the triangle dance. Okay, but I can't hold hands with other men. That is outside of a fraternity house. I am running for office now. <laughs> Looks like the kids are going to do one of their traditional folk dances for us. They must have picked this one up from the cave. Along with her ideology. Power is power, and Jesus the portal. The conservative wedge will make us immortal. Far too long, second time today. Crap-faced angel has something to say. Something is appearing. Oh, look at his face. We can't see that, fool. It's all post-production effects that have to be spliced in. And you're looking the wrong way, according to this memo from the director, who's apparently in Argentina. Good, good. I see you've won over the starship, and that we are heading to Farkas 12. You have done well. So what's wrong with his face? Is that really crap on there? Or is it some kind of treatable skin condition? Judge by the look of him. I'd say that he's already been treated by Doc Coburn. Hideous side effects of that fool's signature, all right. Angel, the crew of the ship are moderate appeasers and conservatives in name only, or Sinos, if you will. I recommend that you purge the ship, dunk it in disinfectant, and maybe not use it for a few weeks until the stink blows out. That is quick thinking, Teddy, but I have to use the ship as it is, along with its imperfect crew. <laughs> Isn't that just like an angel? He has the power and inclination to kill us, but he's not going to do it today. I don't know about anyone else, but I think that's worthy of just a little bit more worshipping on our parts. I know you're just a projection, your holiness, but if you like, you can use my handkerchief to wipe some of that doo-doo off your face. <laughs> no need to give it back, though. Just beam it into space with the rest of the soiled laundry. Wait a minute. That voice, that irrepressible war face, 
It's Judge Bork, my solicitor general. How are you, Judge? You look like shit. But a person shouldn't be judged by their appearance. No, instead they should be judged by the shit that's inside them. You must be here to fire the crew. I think I must have put you up to this last week, back when I was the subject of an investigation. Well, it took you a while to get here, and in the meantime, the scandal blew over. You can hold your fire now. No massacre necessary, so to speak. But I do have some other little jobs for you since you're here. What the hell do you want on Bark S12 anyway? Crap face or bork? It's a Bronze Age world dominated by dogs and donkeys, all decked out like they're fighting a Trojan War. Really? Then I might have some excellent prospects for consultancy work down there. I mean, how hard could it be to sell a war to some kind of donkey version of Agamemnon? You know, I personally like to see a bunch of donkeys climb inside a Trojan horse <laughs> and maybe play the tuba in there. No way! No Bronze Age donkey men are going to get near me. Even if they do have condoms on. Wait just a minute. That's why crap face angel Bork McGoody Beard, whatever his name is, that's why he wants to get down to that planet. He wants to swipe one of their elite's golden masks so he can impress conservatives eight years and older. But most of all, he wants to cover up his horrible crap face. No, I will rule. All as the slave-owning founders of my favorite pizza place intended you to be ruled. Or at least as their intentions are interpreted by me. Now the children must do their triangle dance. The power of that, and of their belief in me, will catapult me to the throne. I just know this is going to work. Soon the universe will be mine to rule and yours to throw up in. What the? I don't think the angel is fit to rule over us, or even to get us half the things we want. I still think we might want to give Aqua Buddha another whirl. I have a few snorkels in my cabin, if you two are game. I feel like I'm missing something. I pride myself on being a successful maniac enabler and someone who is glad to get inside the carcass of an evil dictator and work the torture lovers. How is gaining control over bark gas going to do anything but bring in obscene amounts of space gold? Oh my god! Obscene amounts of space gold! Maybe he's right. Maybe it's time that we live the way the Fuhrer intended us to live. And you know, maybe, just maybe, our fathers are precisely as big conservative assholes as we needed them to be. And maybe my dad's restrained demonic ravings were appropriate for the times he lived in. I guess maybe we shouldn't ought to have killed them. We could have just crippled them real bad and then put a hold on legislation that would have mandated wheelchair accessibility to public buildings and transportation. Remorse. The kids are showing remorse. But isn't that just one of those wild theories like the existence of dark matter or decent music from the fifth dimension? Hey, wait a minute. Look at the crap-faced angel. His face is getting even crappier, if that's possible. I didn't even think there was any room left in his skin for another half-plop, but it turns out there is. Nixon, run the tape of the kids' fathers, not the part where they're dead. That would probably be a little dull. Back it up a bit before that, to a point where they were still alive and blabbering. Yes, Mr. Ned. It'll be my pleasure to play incriminating tapes of others. Hopefully somebody really puts their foot in it, you know. Really says some <coughs> impeachable things. No! 
right to decide for themselves whether they will continue to support the Boy Scout troops. On the part of the United Nations, the United States, and many, many other countries. And I'll tell you, this month, there are two... In our early history, we were very much aware of this. But the, in the early part of the 20th century... One is a decision as to whether to outlaw... Think about it. ...in a variety of efforts to restore peace and justice. Our secretary... ...gave us the Federal Reserve and the income tax. The majority... No! I must get to Baghdad. The children can't believe again. You know, I see what you mean about the angel's face not being able to hold any more duty. <laughs> but maybe the makeup boys can start smearing some on his neck and arms. Or they can start applying it in layers. <laughs> Look at him now. He just looks like a hill of duties now. <laughs> Angel duties. It's true that my papa was often weak and loose. But he was sometimes right. <laughs> so Crapface makes poor Angel. There's no indication that he wouldn't have made a first-class judge a really good soil amendment. I say, what's this? Conservative children crying? Why did they cancel the racist adventures of Johnny Quest? Oh yeah, I forgot about Johnny Quest. That was that offensive Cold War show where the Asians were drawn to look like crazed insects. Always yelling IE when they were killed. Mr. Sulu, please say IE Captain just one time. Children, you must gather strength. The enemy is at hand. Universal Studios will be mine to rule and yours to get minor acting roles in. Oh yeah, I forgot about old crap face over there. I'm just glad that we can't smell projections. Death to you all! Death to you all! Death to y'all! Death to y'all! Death to y'all! Death to y'all! Well, I guess on the bright side, he only seems intent on killing denizens of the rural south. You know, you all folks. <laughs> I just hope he doesn't try to transport over here in corporeal form. I mean, we just got all the space flies out of here from the time we were transporting Ronald Reagan's brain. And I think that Ned must have been right. And it was just a hunk of pork fat after all. Hey, maybe we should send it to a cornfield. The shit-faced guy that it is. Oh my god, we should send it to the cornfield. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to eat any corn after he spread on it. Um, Captain... I venture to say that the angel is dead, or at least he's too encrusted with crap to talk anymore. Do you still want to keep on the heading for Barkass 12, or should I be changing course to the coordinates of one of the other distress calls? Oh no! I put my hoof down this time! Don't piss! Go now collect $200! We're not going to another stupid episode! Until I renegotiate my contract with Desi Lou. <laughs> While well, you get your agent to arrange for you to get higher speaker's fees, just tell him you know me. I could even make a cameo. Let's drop the wiener kids off somewhere in the early 21st century. Couldn't possibly do any harm there. That era was hopelessly wrecked already. 
They can all run for president or something. That should make our history books more amusing at least. Very well, Ned. <laughs> Mr. Sulu, prepare to drive directly towards the sun at full warp speed, and then veer off at the last minute before hitting the sun. Everybody knows that that'll get us back into history town as quick as you please. I can almost feel the bell bottoms flaring on my pant legs already. <laughs> the night Chicago died. Da -da 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 Mr. Ned, is the show over yet? It seems to be kind of petering out. Yeah, let this televised atrocity finally come to a humane end. Hopefully this episode is the last nail. <laughs> Take us out of orbit, Mr. Sulu. <laughs> uh, we're not in orbit around anything right at the moment, Captain. We're still en route to the Barkas colony. <laughs> Warp vector zero, 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 destruct zero. <laughs> Oh, great! Very strange. I'm getting a feeling of anxiety in this place. It doesn't sound very scientific, does it?